So last May, those of, uh, those of you who follow me on social media, who heard my kids talk about it, who've seen the pictures, uh, you might remember that we had the chance to take our kids to Orlando. Uh, we took them to Disney World and, and the different parks, Magic Kingdom and, and Epcot, and we, uh, we found ourselves in the tourist trap that is the Disney Springs shopping area, uh, which while the whole, the whole experience is a money pit, Disney Springs is definitely the money pit because the only thing there is to do is buy stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, that was, that was awesome. Uh, but we went mostly to go to Universal Studios uh, to experience Harry Potter World. Our kids are very into Harry Potter. Uh, and, and the rest of the park was great, too. They actually uh, ended up in Dr. Seuss Land, which is really for kids that are about half their age. And yet they thought it was the most, they were riding the Dr. Seuss rides. I think they liked that about as much as Harry Potter World, uh, actually. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, We also stayed at a place called Orange Lake Resorts, which is not a a Disney property, uh, but it it is the largest, uh, I think, in square miles resort in the world. And it boasts the longest lazy river in the world, which is as awesome as it sounds. Uh, And so about half the time that we were were in Orlando, we were at the parks, uh, and the other half we were at uh, hanging out at the resort, swimming, playing mini golf, uh, just relaxing and having having just uh, fun together. And it was a, a juxtaposing of experiences because when we were at the parks, we were hustling. We were on the go. We wanted to experience everything uh, and, and see everything. And, and the four days that we were doing things outside of the resort, uh, because I have one of those watches that tells you how many steps that you've taken and how far you've walked, during those four days, I had recorded walking 45 miles. And 21 of those miles were at Epcot alone, which Epcot is an acronym. If you weren't aware, it stands for every person comes out tired. And that, that, is, that is what happened for us as well. And, and the days that we stayed at the resort uh, were the exact opposite. Uh, we, we were, uh, they were like recovery days because after standing in line, after walking, you know, going from one end of the park and, and back again, and they have this whole thing now where you can sign up for different time slots, but you know, you can't really do the park in order if you do that. And so you're just kind of crisscrossing yourself all over the place. It, it had created stress on our bodies. Our, our feet hurt and our legs were sore and our shoulders were tense. And because I was the one, of course, carrying the backpack with all the things, you know, my, my back hurt, and I, I needed some time. I needed some recovery. And, and had we not structured it that way, there are some people who go to Disney, and, and they, you know, they hit a park every single day. They are there, and, and that's great. Um, but what I've heard from folks when they come back from a vacation like that is that they're almost glad to go back to work uh, because they need a vacation from their vacation. And so we, we had set it up this way so as not to, uh, not to have that experience. But there's a difference between rest and recovery. Rest is designed to prepare us for whatever it is that life throws at us. We are at our best when we operate from a place of rest. And recovery is what we do just after all the work is done. And and we're just trying to get back to some place of balance. And a lot of us have constructed lives that look very much like my family's vacation, that we're in constant motion, that, that whether it's physical motion, we're, you know, we're going from place to place, eating dinner in our minivans and, and running around from activity to activity. Maybe the constant motion isn't physical, but maybe it's mental, 
that our brains just don't shut off with all the things that we have to do and all the things that we're thinking about and, and overanalyzing and wish we could have done differently throughout our day. Sometimes the constant motion is emotional, that, that we ride the roller coaster of emotions based on uh, the circumstances and the, the conditions that are around us. We have high highs and low lows. And that constant motion in whatever form it takes is exhausting. It creates stress. And that stress has an impact on us. It diminishes our capacity. And even if our constant motion is only in one dimension, if it's, if it's physical, if it's mental, if it's emotional, it has an impact on all of the other dimensions. So, so imagine you're someone who you just can't make your brain shut off, right? Like that's how you're constantly in motion. And so you go to bed at night and you're laying awake and you're just wishing that sleep would wash over you. And instead you're replaying every single event of the day and how you feel about it, and how you could have done it differently, and, and, and worrying about what this person thinks of you, and, and, and all of that. And all of a sudden, it's three o'clock in the morning, and you haven't been able to fall asleep. And when you finally do fall asleep, and the alarm clock kicks on three or four hours later, now not only are you mentally stressed, but you're physically stressed, because you didn't have any sleep. And then you wake up, and, and because you don't have any sleep, you're irritable, and you, you snap at people, and, and, and now there, there's this, this reactivity that comes uh, because your emotions are, uh, are impacted, because your physical rest was impacted, because mentally you just couldn't make things shut off. And so when we're in constant motion, in whatever way that is, it has an impact. It creates stress. Now, whatever you do that you say is rest, maybe it's sleep or it's hobbies or it's watching football on the weekends. I did not find the Ohio State game to be particularly restful, although I am glad that, that, that we won, uh, but uh, it was not a restful. That, that, those things aren't actually rest. They're recovery. And when you live in stressed conditions, recovery is vital. You have to have it, but you will never be at your best unless you find true rest. This morning, we're beginning a sermon series that'll take us uh, through the next several weeks called First World Problems. And we're looking at the Jesus solutions to particularly suburban struggles. Now, we're, we're fortunate, you know, we live in a, in a world where, where most of us have everything we need, uh, most of us are, are, are secure maybe in, in our, our, the, the, the basic necessities, so we don't necessarily have the third world or the second world problems. I'm making some assumptions, uh, and, and certainly those things can touch our congregation, but for most of us, our problems are first world problems. And first world problems are still problems. We need solutions to those. And Jesus offers those solutions. And as someone who has lived in the suburbs basically my whole life, I've seen over the last several years a palpable increase in stress and comparison and grief and loneliness and anxiety and entitlement, these, these struggles that are, are not unique to the suburbs but certainly are at play in them. And they are really destructive problems. And I believe that Jesus makes a difference 
in the lives of all people. And that he has solutions to these suburban struggles, these first world problems. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at each of these and to see what Jesus' solutions are. And the Jesus solution to the suburban struggle of stress is Sabbath. Now, the author of the book of Genesis tells us that when God finished creating everything, on the seventh day, God rested. And rest was to be the ongoing condition of humanity. The Garden of Eden was a place of rest. Now, it wasn't a place of necessarily inactivity, but it was a place where life was characterized by unforced rhythms. Adam and Eve didn't have alarm clocks. They didn't have jobs to get to. They didn't have bills to pay and doctor's appointments to get to only to sit for multiple hours while the doctor is hard. I don't know how you can be two hours behind at eight o'clock in the morning, but hello, like that happens, right? They didn't have that. They didn't have travel soccer and, and projects around the house to get done. They lived unburdened lives in the presence of God. And that's how life was intended to be for all of us. But we decided that wasn't good enough. That actually we wanted to be the ones to carry our burdens, to determine the directions of our lives. And that ended badly. It ended badly for Adam and Eve. And and eventually as we chase down that road and we carry that burden It doesn't end well for us either. And on through the generations, the do more, work harder, get better or else paradigm of living has characterized the human experience. Where it was intended to be characterized by rest, it is now characterized by work and burden and stress. So fast forward a little bit, God meets Moses up on the mountain, and he gives the Ten Commandments, and in doing so, he institutes the Sabbath, a day of rest, where you and I would attend to our relationship with God and with one another, and it would be a reminder of what you and I were originally created for and what would be true of us once again when God completed the work of reconciliation and repaired the damage that our sin had caused. But fast forward a little bit further, and by the time Jesus arrived on the scene, human religiosity had turned the Sabbath into a heavy burden, into a a legalistic requirement. Rest had become really hard work. And inactivity isn't necessarily a bad thing, but there was this whole system of rules and requirements around inactivity, what you could do and couldn't do, and what you had to do to make sure you wouldn't do this, and if you did this, what you had to do to to make up for it. And instead of being restorative, Sabbath became just one more thing for us to do. Rest is not intended to be a momentary escape from work but an ongoing condition of contentment that is found in walking with Jesus. While the Sabbath in the law was one day per week, Jesus 
as he tends to do when he addresses the law. He expands it and he personalizes it. Sabbath is the solution to stress because it is an ongoing condition from which we operate in our place in the world from the true rest that allows us to be at our best. So how do we get there? Now, you've probably heard the phrase, just give it to God. Have we heard that phrase? If you've heard that phrase, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise them high. Raise them high. Okay. Most people have have heard that. Have you heard that phrase? And and when somebody says it, you aren't really sure what they're talking about, right? Anybody had that before? Raise your hand. Raise them high. Yep. Let's be honest. Okay. You just give it to God. You're like, yeah. Okay. Like, how do I do that? Giving something to God simply means giving up responsibility for whether something happens or not and giving up the authority to determine the direction that you will take to make that thing happen. Giving up the emotional attachment towards an outcome and giving up your authority to actually be the one to decide how that takes place. And what you find is that when you do that, when you give up that authority to set the direction, when you give up that emotional attachment to that outcome, what you find is that you carrying the burden the whole time and you setting the direction the whole time, it didn't actually help anything. Like it actually made it worse and it actually made it harder because all it did was create more stress than was actually necessary. So I'll give you an example. About 18 months ago, uh, some of you know this, we, we bought a house. Uh, and we had lived here for, uh, our plan was to live here when we moved up here seven years ago, was live here for three years uh, and, then, and then look for and rent a home and then look to buy a house. Well, the, the summer of that third year was May of 2020, right? So there was no house buying happening because of, of COVID. And, and so we came out of that and we started to look and it was still really difficult. Uh, and, and not just because of, of the pandemic, but we also didn't really know what we wanted. So we would vacillate between these different uh, ideas of, of what a home should have. You know, did we want an office for, for Laura's work? And then, no, that wasn't really a requirement. And, and well, we want to live in this neighborhood, but then, no, 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 we don't necessarily like the houses in that neighborhood. And maybe we'll, we'll live over here. And, oh, it would be great to have a swimming pool. Uh, and then we realized, no, that would not be great. And, and we wanted a big backyard. Oh, but I don't really like to cut the grass. So, you know, we just kind of went back and forth over and over again until finally we said, okay, we're just going to let God show us a house. Wherever it is, whatever the circumstance is, whatever condition it's in, like God's just, we're just going to trust that God is going to reveal this house to us. We're going to emotionally detach from any of these, these outcomes, these, these things that we think we have to have in a house. We're going to emotionally detach from that and just allow it to unfold and trust that whatever, uh, whatever emerges is what God has for us. So we make this decision 24 hours later, the house that we bought shows up on Zillow. And a week later, we had our offer accepted. And it was not necessarily the house that we would have picked for us. There were lots of things that were great about it. It was not in very good condition. Some of you who helped restore it to its, its where it needed to be, which we are still very, very grateful for. But now we are very content with it. It is a place of Sabbath for us. 
It was where God intended, we believe God intended for us to be, even if at the time it would not have checked all of the boxes of the things that we wanted. And there is tremendous freedom in letting Jesus be the authority over your life. Not having to to figure out what the right door is and then when you can't get it open, breaking your foot trying to kick it down. Instead, simply submitting to the process that Jesus has you in and waiting for what is supposed to happen to unfold and then walking through that open door in the faith that what is on the other side is the best thing for you. That is what it means to live from a place of rest. That is what it means to live from a place of Sabbath. And so for the struggle of stress, Jesus offers both an invitation and a challenge. The invitation comes to us in in verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. And in this invitation... Jesus is making a profound claim that if you want the ongoing condition of contentment that allows you to experience Sabbath seven days a week, if you want that, you have to come to Jesus because it is the only place that it is found. Religion alone will not provide it. Self-care practices won't provide it. A hot cup of tea and a good book, not going to provide it. Those are all good things. Sleep doesn't even provide it. And the reason these don't provide it is that while they create a space for you to put down the heavy load, they don't actually take the load from you. And eventually you have to pick it back up and carry it. But when you come to Jesus and you let him carry the load and set the direction, you put down that load, but it's not you who picks it up again. Jesus picks it up and carries it. And because in faith you've detached emotionally from how things turn out, you are free to find rest because it's not you having to arrange for that anymore. But most of us have never learned how to do that. And so we have to come to Jesus to learn how to find that kind of rest. And that's where the challenge comes in. In verse 29, he says, put on my yoke and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble and you will find rest for yourselves. The the image that Jesus is is giving here is uh, from farming and particularly plowing a field. So the practice then was that you would have an ox who was, who was older and stronger and seasoned uh, and had, had plowed the field and knew the direction and could carry the burden, and they would take a young ox who hadn't done any of those things, and they put them under the same yoke. And the two would walk together. And the older ox would basically do all the work and would know the direction, and would dictate the direction. And the younger ox would participate. It wasn't a a passive bystander. But ultimately, it was not responsible for carrying the load and determining the direction. And that's how it is with us 
and Jesus. We put on his yoke. We learn from him, his priorities, his way of life, the unforced rhythms of his grace. See, I think most of our stress is not actually from being busy. Because there are plenty of not very busy people who are just a bundle of nerves and are stressed out all the time. I think most of our stress comes from the gap between the life that we want and the life that we have. Between the outcomes that we are emotionally attached to and our ability to achieve those outcomes on our own. I think that's where a lot of our stress comes from. And so while we need recovery time, because yes, life is hard and it can be busy, and we need sleep and we need self-care and we need that cup of tea and, and the good book, but we will have less to recover from when we come to Jesus to find true rest, to let him carry the burden and set the direction to the outcomes that he is calling us to. Recovery happens at moments in time. We can operate from rest all the time. The rest that Jesus provides us comes to us when we detach from those outcomes. We let Jesus be responsible for them. And we learn from him how to live freely and lightly the way that he did. That, my friends, is rest. That is Sabbath. And that is the Jesus solution to the struggle of stress. Would you stand? couple questions that I'd like you to consider, and then I'll close us in prayer. What are the stressful burdens that you're carrying? How are you constantly in motion, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, or even spiritual? What are those burdens? And how might you turn those burdens over to Jesus so that he can carry the load and set the direction that you will take? So reflect on that. I'll close in prayer. Lord, we're grateful for this invitation to come and rest not just to recover, only to pick the burdens back up and carry them again, but to set those burdens down at the foot of your cross and leave them there, trusting that you will carry them with you, and that you take those burdens to the grave, and, and when you rise, you leave them there. Lord, we're grateful for that invitation, but with that invitation comes a challenge because we don't, we don't learn how to do that on our own. We need your guidance. We need your, your truth. We need your grace. We need your love to show us and to, to bring us into alignment and to, to yoke us with you. 
And so, Lord, help us to respond to that invitation by embracing the challenge to follow you daily. To not just treat the Sabbath as a thing that we do once a week, but as an opportunity to dwell in your rest 24-7. Lord, show us the benefits of that and give us the faith to trust that when we turn our burdens to you and we detach from the outcomes we want from our lives and give those to you as well, that the life that we get in return is the one that we were designed for and the best version of us that there could be. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.